I'm going to share with you uh, Luke. I've got so much, I guess, on my heart. And uh, on the way, I was, um, you know, after our service, just, you know, I was uh, tossing through which one, which one, and I uh, uh, come with uh, Luke uh, 8, something that you probably heard many times. Uh, and uh, this is a passage that you probably have read many times, but I pray that you will have a fresh insight uh, into these things. I think somebody just prayed that there will be a good soil to receive the word. That's exactly the passage that we're going to read. So uh, let's look to uh, uh, Luke 8. And uh, if you can get there, there you go. Yeah. Can you see it? It's a little bit, you all have, uh, like, you know, younger folks, you all got good eyes, so you can read it. Or you open up your Bible, uh, that would be great. And also, uh, thank you also for uh, your, some of you have supported my uh, mission work in Indonesia last year. I uh, forgot to bring some photos, but, you know, God had done some wonderful, wonderful things reaching out uh, to people over there. So uh, I appreciate your partnership there as well. All right. Are you ready? I'm going to read a few verses there. Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read up to probably 18 um, and then see how we go. Are you ready? Okay. Now, it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, certain women also who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom uh, had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for him from the substance. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and it had choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, and those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should, be, should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believes for a while, and in time of temptation, Fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they had heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. No one, when he had lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. 
for nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore take heed how you hear. For whoever has to him more will be given, and whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him. Okay. How many heard this passage before? That's most of you, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, so Jesus, you see Jesus started his ministry in Galilee. And he was going, doing about, uh, going around in Galilee. He is healing everybody because power of God was flowing out from him. All the demon possessed were coming to, to uh, be delivered. And they were getting delivered. People, lots of crowds, people, multitude, thronged about him. Uh, to come to him, get near to him, to see the miracles Jesus was performing by the power of the Spirit of God. Because the, the Luke says, because the power of God was present to heal all the sick. How many think it's a wonderful thing? I love it when the presence of God and the power of God flow through us, right? And uh, that we all have the anointing residing inside. But then, uh, another uh, story erupts, uh, you see in chapter 6, chapter 7, as soon as within days and weeks of Jesus helping people, casting out demons and teaching, immediately there are groups of people called Pharisees and scribes that are coming together to kill Jesus. And it's too much to, I guess, go back and hear those stories. But Jesus was roughing some feathers. He's actually causing some stirring in the established religious order. And uh, Jesus is saying and claiming some things which only God can claim. And these people are as quickly as being attracted are also being set against Jesus to finish him, kill him. And it takes three, him, three years for him to get there. And now everywhere Jesus goes now, the, when you look at the chapter before that Jesus even raises the dead. And people have you know, small, small personal encounters. And Jesus... You can see that like a portrait of Jesus, different sides of Jesus, and the humanity of Jesus, which is perfect, altogether lovely, wonderful, full of mercy, but very righteous, very strong. That's the kind of Jesus that we are following. Now the large crowd is gathering, and then Jesus, before here, he's going to um, uh, places like uh, church, in a modern term, synagogues, and was preaching there. But now it looks like, because of the pressure, Jesus is going through the town, town to town in a preaching tour, ministering in open air. Uh, and a large crowd is gathering. So Jesus' dis disciples are described here in a circle of disciples made up of 12 men. We all know who they are, 12 disciples who became apostles of God. And then here, three women at least are named also who are in a circle. And they are traveling with Jesus, with 12 men. These women, some of them were, you know, ex-demoniac. And uh, now she's following Jesus. Um, and then some of them are very rich, uh, you know, as so a Herod steward. But uh, all of them are coming together. They're supporting Jesus. And in the Gospels, you will not find a woman rising up to kill Jesus. <laughs> So it's a tribute to you, women. <laughs> They're always there to support Jesus. It's somehow some men, not all, some men trying to kill Jesus. And uh, he has this, this conflict with religious leaders. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a big thing in the Old Testament. 
You know, scribes, Pharisees, or, or rabbis, they refused to teach women. That was the culture of the day. But Jesus is taking a huge risk, also taking in women disciples, traveling with them. He could be accused of immorality, of all kinds of things. But Jesus took and built a team of men and women. And then there is this outer circle of people who came from Syria, from Jerusalem, all across, you know, um, uh, the region who heard the fame of Jesus. They came, some of them came because they want to be healed. Some of them came because they want to hear Jesus teaching. Some of them came because of the rumor. Some came because Jesus is somebody great. It's like, you know, it's a great excitement. It's like a rock concert, you know. That star rabbi has come. They come with all kinds of mixed motives. People come, and out of them also some are really hungry for God. Some really want to know God. So when you look at Jesus, Jesus was never fooled by the large numbers. He always went for the heart. How do you sort out this crowd of people? How does he do that between sincere seekers who follow Jesus because they want to know God and, and know Jesus and those who are casual hearers who want to just see some magic, some power, something exciting? How do you know the difference? Well, Jesus used his unique teaching method called parables to sort them out. All right? Parables. And uh, Jesus actually had most unique teaching method. He had no charts. Jesus had no, you know, illustration, no icebreakers, no funny stories, no illustration tool to make his sermon memorable. Nothing. He just came and told some stories without morals didn't elaborate what it meant. So what is a parable? Parable, obviously, is a story. How many know Jesus is a master storyteller? You know, when somebody's thinking really wrong, Jesus is saying, Simon, I've got something to tell you. Usually his stories are very short, one verse or two verses, and a few verses, everything is in it. And then it's a story, but it's a story. Parable means parable is parallel to something. So it's normally things that are common in the natural, something that you know every day. With that knowledge, he's now venturing in to exp explain something that is invisible, kingdom of God, spiritual world. Okay? So it's a similitude. It's a parallel to something of the heavenly story, heavenly truth. He's illustrating heavenly truth with earthly parallel, but there is more. Okay, parable... It's a story that Jesus tells, but it's got a mirror in it. It's got a mirror in it. Lots of people came to see something Jesus does. It's exciting to see people, you know, falling down and laughing or getting healed and so on, right? And I get excited when God moves in a powerful way. Lots of people came to see something external, and Jesus is saying, you all came to see something, but I'm going to put up a mirror in front of you so that you will see something that you need to see, not something that you want to see. What do you see when you put up a mirror? You see the reflection, inner reality of your spiritual condition. That is a parable that Jesus is using here. But there is one more in Jesus' parable. is that it doesn't only have, it's not a, just a story, parallel story for spiritual things with a mirror in it. It also has a mystery in it. So Jesus' parable has a dimension of mystery in it, and it is the only time 
this parable that is so common, so everybody knows and read and then just move on because you read it because you think you know it, right? This is repeated three times in the Gospels, Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 9, and it is the only time Jesus says, I'm going to explain to you what the kingdom of God is. So when you say a mystery, there is more to it than meets the eye. At first you read it and you think you understand it, but there is far more underneath that you need the help of the Spirit of God and the right attitude to actually see what you need to see. Does that make sense? So that's the parable that Jesus is using, and it is the only time he's saying, Jesus went about preaching what? Gospel of the kingdom. So what did he preach? Kingdom. So what do you mean? Well, Jesus is saying, only here. You want to know how the kingdom of God operates? This is the only story Jesus tells to explain how the kingdom works. It's so simple, but so easy to miss. So why did Jesus use the parable to talk about the kingdom? You know, I used to grow up and think like, you know, these parables are trying to illustrate the truth, the spiritual truth, so everybody can understand it. It makes it easy for me to remember. How many thought that? That's only half the story. The other half of the story is actually Jesus used parable to conceal deep spiritual truth from people who are not ready to listen it. So that you can hear it, but not understand it. You can see it, but you go back with nothing. It is a mechanism by which God sorts out, repels those who are proud, who thinks they know a lot, has the wrong heart, they will get nothing. People who are not hungry for God will get zero. But people who are genuinely hungry for God, even the little kids can understand it and get so much out of it. And their lives will change. Kingdom of God will powerfully operate in their life. So that's the mechanism of parable. How many remember uh, Isaiah? Jesus quotes from Isaiah here. Isaiah 6. Isaiah's call. When up to this time, Isaiah had the highest revelation of the throne of God in the temple. He saw the Lord lifted up high. His train fills the temple. He saw the triune God speaking to himself, who will go for us? Remember that? He saw the glory of God. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And then he sees this, you know, a seraphim touching his lips. And God says, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And what does God say? All right, the coal has touched your heart. You will have a fire. Thousands will come in here and get converted. Is that what God says? What does God say? You're going to keep speaking my word with clean lips. Most of the hearers will not get what you're saying. They will not understand what you're saying. Why? Because God says these people are stiff-necked people. What is stiff-necked? They are proud. The soil there of their heart is not ready so that the word of God will go out and instead of bringing blessing, it will actually bring hardening and judgment. And Isaiah is known as the prince of the prophets. I mean, how many know Isaiah? 
How many read and understand Isaiah? The visions that he has is unparalleled, but it's very little understood. And then uh, most people, well, it's hard of Israel was not ready. So that when God saying that, Isaiah, you will keep speaking my word, and it will only harden the nations, Isaiah says, until when? He says, until the city is laid waste and destroyed. Judgment of God comes, and there is a reset, restart everything with remnant. People who are hungry for God will come back. And I'm going to start again. What Isaiah was given, I, I, you know, whew. <laughs> that's a sad call, isn't it? Re imagine you're called by God and your mission is to fail. Not many will listen to you. But the th principle is that when a voice of God, a true word of God comes down and is spoken, and people, due to their hardness, reject that word, what happened? You cannot stay the same. Word of God will either bring more light, more revelation and blessing to you, to those who respond right, or bring hardening of the heart and bring not the blessing. No one can hear a true prophetic word of God and go back the same. You either go back with more or less. Less. And in this case, it did. How many remember Apostle Paul actually quoted the same thing that Jesus is quoting in Acts 28? And he says, I've come to proclaim to you the good news. Since you're not hearing, I'm now going to the Gentiles. And in uh, Romans 11, it talks about how the, the uh, partial, do you understand? Hardening. Partial hardening has come upon Israel. Yes, hardening. Israel's heart became hardened. Started with Isaiah's time all until now. You know, the temple was destroyed and everything. And now God is bringing Israel back. Praise God. 1948, Israel came back to its land. And now there is a Messianic movement. A lot of Jews are now getting converted. But what happens is it's the same. Principle is every time true word of God is spoken and you've heard it, depending on your response, you're going to have more blessing and more light or you're going to actually lose what you have. Because you think you, you have it, but you actually haven't seen what you need to see. Right? So that's the parable. All right, moving on. Okay, so Jesus is standing in the same um, um, tradition as Isaiah, and the, here is the parable story. Are you ready? All right. <laughs> okay, so, you know, in those days, the farmers did not sow seed one by one. You know what they did? They carried it in a basket, and they scattered it. Scattered the seed. And also, in those days, uh, they scattered the seed on the ground first, and then they plowed. The order is reversed. And somebody have actually seen 1952 Palestinians doing this. Still, right? So you scatter the seed like, you know, you're making japche or something. Stuff, put the stuff in and then you toss it up. You know? <laughs> Stir fry. Right? That's how they did it. And um, so Jesus is talking about these stories. Okay. Seed was scattered. Some fell on the wayside and birds came and ate them up. Really simple. And others... Seed fell on the rocky ground, and then the seed 
germinated a little bit, but because there's no moisture, it just dried up and died. And then another type, he uh, saw the seed, some fell on the stony ground, or the thorny ground, sorry. And uh, even though it germinated under the root system, it's all tangled up. All the nutrients were taken by the thorns, so that even though there were some crops, it wasn't good, good crop, it wasn't mature crop. And the fourth one, it was really good ground, so you, you know, you had a great, great return, hundredfold harvest, so it's wonderful. And, that, and that's it. And then, in, you know, those who fell on the good soil produced so much more fruit than, that it made up for all the lost seeds. And the farmer was happy, although on the surface, most of the seeds were wasted. Then Jesus cried out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's it. That's it. It's important to know that Jesus didn't tell people anything they didn't know. Most of them were farmers and the housewives. They know how to put the light up, right? And then put it in a high place. They know how to sow the seed. They do this all day, the experts, and Jesus didn't add any new information. And he said, he cried out after that. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then, that's the end of my sermon. <laughs> Can you imagine? What was that? There's nothing in it. That's it. I came all the way from Jerusalem. It took six days to come here to listen to a profound teacher and a prophet. And he says, this, this story, it's like if I tell you the same story now, let's suppose you're all engineers, car mechanics. So you all know cars, right? And then you all, you all cook, okay? One story is two of the same story. One is for the outdoor for men. One is for indoor for women. And he's saying, okay, so the mechanic bought this uh, engine oil and then put it in. The first one was too thick, so it was no good. It destroyed the engine and it was no good. Second story is that another guy came and put really uh, very thin engine. It was too runny. So again, it was bad. Even though it worked, it just stopped. No good. The third one put a good engine oil, but it had mixture in it. It's got some sand and grain. And soon the engine was also destroyed. No good. The fourth guy came and put good engine oil, and this time, car worked perfect. And they went, you know, from here, they had a perfect holiday, and so, and that's it. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I'll tell you another parable, Jesus saying. When you cook, when you make japchae, right, you're using big wok. You put all kinds of things, where the heat is strongest, you put the wok right in front of it, right on top of it, so you use the heat. That's how you get a good cook. That's how you get a really nice, delicious food, and then everybody enjoy the food. Okay, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That was the ministry of Jesus. Well, how, how would you feel if Jesus did? I just said, be careful. Be careful how you hear. Came all the way. That's it. Nothing in it. No, no morale. No morale. No point. How many would, if you think about it, all the elements are there. How many would get it because it was spiritual? You won. Unless you're really hungry, you take Jesus' word seriously, which makes no sense, and come and ask Jesus what, what it means. Hmm? So that you have to come back to Jesus and ask. So that you can get an insight of what he's saying. So, those 
who bothered, bothered to come back to Jesus. So, Jesus, what do you mean? That chapche story, <laughs> that engine oil story, that, you know? And Jesus says, okay, to you, the mystery of the kingdom is revealed. All these other people who never come to us, it'll just, just go. In fact, a lot of them will be offended and they go back, right? Suppose, what if I, I'm guest picture here. I tell you this story, you know, chapche, and then he who has ears to hear, and I go, that's it, bye-bye. <laughs> You'll be offended, right? I give you nothing. That's what Jesus did. So here, Jesus is telling the inside. Do you remember? Mirror. Parable is a mirror. And you're supposed to see the spiritual condition of your life. It's how you hear that's important because most people, when they read this or hear this preached, you know what they are hearing, what they are seeing? They are seeing, my wife needs to hear this. <laughs> or my husband or, you know, my father, somebody else, right? Uh, I'm actually category four. I'm in really good category. So, you know, just, just move on. I don't care. So what, what can I use here? But they are not seeing. The only people who will see who they are are those who are serious enough to say, God, I do want to change. Show me. And what I need to do to have more of your kingdom working in my life. And then they can see. Because Jesus is describing everybody, every single person who will com be confronted the word of God. When God's voice goes out, there are four categories of people. And depending on your response to the word preached, it will show what kind of harvest you will get, what kind of life you will live. It's no guessing work. My life didn't work out. Things didn't work out. It's no guesswork. It's no luck. There's no luck in it. It's all about how the Word of God operates in your heart. Right? Very simple. So, first one is a wayside, right? It's a pathway people tread on. It represents the condition of the hardened heart that is not even ready to receive the Word. So, Word cannot actually fall into the heart. It misses the heart. You just hear it with the head and then it just bounces out. Right? You're not ready to actually receive the word to penetrate your heart. You're not ready. You're not in that condition. So the none of the seed fall into the heart. But your head will retain some of the information for a little while. But as soon as you turn back, what does the devil do? Comes to remove the word out of your mind. Why? You know, if you're in the military, what do you do? You remove the potential threat first. Because the only thing Satan cannot deal with is the word of God in your heart. That's the only thing he can't deal with. If he can take away the word, you're uh, easy. You are in the palm, in the hollow of his hand. He can do whatever he wants. You got no resistance. So he takes away the word. So you come and you heard some sort of sermon, you go back in the car you fight or you you know <laughs> all kinds of things happen satan puts traps so that whatever the word you heard 
is taken out, it's no longer viable, it's no longer alive, it no longer speaks. You lost the power of the word as it came to you. Okay, so that's the, that's the case number one. So that you are not saved. The word never really got implanted. So you can't be delivered also from the attacks of the enemy, Satan. Because how did Jesus destroy or, or fight back, uh, overcome Satan by the word of God that was in his heart, right? After 40 days fasting, Jesus didn't open up the scroll. It is written, the word of God that has been planted inside of you is the only force Satan has no answer for. Amen? And then the second one is the rocky soil. So the person actually listens carefully and gets it, gets excited, woo responds, happy. But as soon as the pressure comes, because of the word, person gets offended and then falls away. In this case, it's not the devil, <laughs> right? Because, you know, the word of God inside of you gets tested. When God gives you a promise, God will test your heart. The word of God will be tested. How many know that in order to have a harvest, you got to go through different seasons? So when God speaks to you, promise and vision, expect the testing will come. It says Jesus said the testing is coming because the word is in you and the enemy wants to take away the word. But once you let go, because you get offended, you get, you know, somebody came to church and, you know, this leader said this, no more. <laughs> you throw away the seed. There's no miracle for you, right? So this is a, uh, the th second case. Persecution, tribulation come because of the word, and they stumble. Third one is the thorny ground. Now, this one, he has received the word of God in his heart. He's born again believer. He has also thought about the word deeply. And the word went deep into the soil of his heart. He doesn't fall away from faith. He still is part of the faith community, church, and so on. And the soon seeds sprout in time to give abundant harvest, but he has a lot of other interests too. He cares about this world. He talks about the deceitfulness of riches. Think about money, business, and uh, buying things, car, house. It's 90%, 98% occupying the house. Uh, mindset. It's not wrong to do these things, but these are taking, these are fighting, jostling for uh, priority in his heart and direction of life, pleasures of life, desires for the better and finer things in life, so that there is an inner struggle. The root system is just twisted, and it's pulling inside, so that you get fruit, but it's not fullness. None of the fruit are mature. They're very, very immature fruit. I think materialism in Australia is one of the biggest threat for us becoming very fruitful in the kingdom. Amen? And, uh, the, and then the last one is a good soil. has a noble and good heart and keep the word, keep it, and keep the condition of the heart right and therefore bear hundredfold fruit. Now, Jesus described these four types. Which one are you? 
because this is a mirror. Can you see what represents you? Because if you don't, you've missed the point. Jesus said, we see all of us has to cultivate the soil of our heart. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So let me give you some challenges. Now, challenge number one. You've got more than you think. See, how did God create the world? Out of nothing? By his word. The creative power of the word of God is unlimited. And that word has been sown into you. And this is the only thing the devil's afraid of. His number one priority is take away the word from your heart. That you cannot live according to the word of God. Right? That's the only power that will make you fruitful. Your relationship to the word of God. See, nothing else will truly make you spiritually rich and fruitful before God, prosperous before God, than your relationship to the word. It's not your gift. It's not your leadership skill. It's not your people skill. It's not how much money you earn. All of those are little tools. But ultimately, it's not even somebody coming and prophesying over you and getting a spiritual blessing. right? It's not none of those. They are all tools. Whether long run you're going to be a fruitful Christian or not is your relationship to the Word of God. Right? And then another lesson is that see, the Word of God is perfect. There's nothing wrong with the Word. Every Word of God has power to produce miracles of what it says. Harvest. Problem is what? It's the soil. Soil is the problem. What is it? It's condition of our heart. Right? And the, who's got perfect heart? Who's got? Who can see I'm number four? Who is born with number four condition? No one, see? No one. So what does that mean? Everybody has to work on our heart. Work on your field. He who has an ear to hear, take personal responsibility of your condition of your own heart with regards to the word of God. Don't try to fix other people's field. Like, you know, this brother, that sister, that or something, you know, we always point finger, fix that field. It's got nothing to do with your harvest. Your harvest is all about the condition of your heart. So can you see which one you are? If you're number one, see, what do you do? You're number one. You come and you always sleep, you know, during the sermon. <laughs> and then you fight on the way back and you still come. Oh, I'm number one. Finally, it dawned on me. I'm number one. <laughs> what do you do? You pray. This is the thing that I gotta work on to have the kingdom of God working in my life. And then at least you move to number two. Okay, at least I, I'm awake. Praise God, you respond, I believe. Even though you fall away really quickly, right? Even though you're a very shallow Christian, it doesn't matter. Still, I'm shallow, yeah? Praise God, I, I take the word. I believe it. You respond to the word. It's okay. And if you realize, oh, I'm so shallow. I'm sure I fell away three times last year, two months at a time, and I came back because, you know, uh, Nathan called me and brought me back, right? 
I'm so shallow. If you realize that, what are you going to do? I'm going to get into the Word. You get the root system into the Word. You get hungry. You dive in. Even though you've got a lot of materialistic person or, you know, you've got cares and you get all kinds of things, you know, the, the struggles, at least you move to number three. And I guess many of the long-term Christians who are serious actually fall on number three. They're constantly struggling with worries and cares of life, materialism, pleasures, and so on. So when you're there, what do you do? You just have to take one more thing. Pray, fast, seek God, and pray, Lord, give me a heart that looks to your kingdom, free from this entanglement. Because you don't need to be super smart. You don't need to be super gifted. You don't have to be lucky. You don't have to be any of these. If you just keep your soil right, guess what? You're going to reap a harvest. Your life will work out fruitful, very, very fruitful, hundredfold. Amen? And then one more thing is that, see, harvesting, farming, none of us are farmers here, right? I never farmed. We live in the city. Farming is not signing a business deal. Everything is instant, you know. You just present something and then you get signed on the dotted paper, it's done. No, farming takes time. It's a process and it requires process of different seasons. Expect different seasons to come your way. You're going to have good seasons. You're going to have cold seasons also because of the word. Have unshakable faith. The word of God inside of you that you believe will produce its harvest in God's timing. And don't let go. God's promises, God's blessings, what God has imprinted inside of you, don't let go. Endure. And you will have rich harvest. All right. I'm going to just finish in two minutes. Can I just give you another perspective of this? This is the mystery of the kingdom that Jesus unveiled. This is how the kingdom of God works in you. Very simple. Your relationship to the words of God. But you can also see it. We've seen it as a, a, from perspective of soil. You receiving and producing for yourself. What about view your perspective as a sower? You're sharing gospel with somebody. You're praying for your unsaved family members. You're talking to your friends or you're going out mission. You do Bible study. You teach somebody. All these things. You're encouraging somebody. You're sowing the seed. Well, number one we need to know is that don't be discouraged if not everybody responds right. Because at times it feels like all the seeds are wasted. Three quarters of the people didn't respond right in the story of Jesus. But it's the few that responds right that will produce enough harvest to more than make up for the lost or wasted seeds. So be confident. When you are sharing the word of God, be confident it will not fail. Harvest will not fail. It's not your fault. It's not the fault of the seed, the word. And don't mess with genetic engineering of the seeds, right? What do I mean, genetic engineering? You change the word. 
so that it will be more sweet, sweeter seeds. You remove all the warnings and just say the nice things. Change it so more people will accept it. See, when you do genetic engineering on the word of God, you can get the crowd, but you're not going to get the kingdom. There's no harvest. Right? You get the club, but no kingdom. <laughs> so keep to the word. Be as honest as possible and keep sowing the seed. How many stories we see? You know, there was this missionary who went to uh, Ethiopia. All his mission work, you know, nobody received. And he was called back. And just one person, one blind beggar got saved. So returned. Many years later, he went back. One blind beggar, Ethiopian beggar, converted 3,000 Ethiopians. When you study the word, when you share the word, when you sow the word, when you pray the word, when you encourage someone with the word, don't change it. Be confident. It will bear fruit. And the sowers must be content to sow the good seed and leave the rest to God and rejoice, right? Because God will always do his part. And that's the basic story. And then Jesus' next story is actually the same thing. See? The light is the same thing. Light has to be put high. Light is the best when it's high. And, and, and um, that's why all the lights are up, not down, right? So Jesus lifted so that people can see it. The word of God inside of you must be shared. Must be shared. When you share it, it will expose the darkness. And some people won't like it when you sh the ex darkness exposed. The presence of God inside of you will expose some darkness. Some people will love it. Some people will hate it. But you share it anyway. Why? Because day is coming. Nothing hidden. There is nothing that is hidden that will not be exposed anyway. So you are doing great service. So Jesus says once again, you know, he closes with the same thing. Be careful how you hear. Because when you face the word of God, none of you will go back the same. Some of you will go back with more. Some of you will go back with less. But you think you have more. When you have it here, you think you have it. When you have it here, you actually have it. Amen? All right. We'll pray. We'll pray. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, it's so simple but very confronting, Lord. The way you explain to us, O oh God, the mystery of the kingdom. So, Father, we thank you. Here is good soil, soil of the heart. Every soil needs to be worked on. But here are the soils, Lord. We come before you because all of us want to be fruitful in our life. We want to bear fruit, Lord. And thank you for telling us how to be exceedingly fruitful, both in reaping within our life and also sowing in other people's lives, Lord. We thank you. Your word is powerful. Father, we pray that you give us faith 
to have absolute confidence in the word that you've given to us, Lord, and to live by it, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, come, bring revelation, reveal to us, O oh God, what we are and what we need to do to have abundant harvest to Jesus' glory. And everybody said, Amen, Amen.